Amen. Wasn't I good to remember that? That was impressive. Thank you, Lord. All right. Um, well, let's turn to First uh, John and chapter 4. We have been studying in First John for a while. This is uh, part C, or the third part in First John chapter 4. And uh, it's been really good. Um, I, I hope that you have enjoyed it as much as I have. But there's something about it when you go into a book and you read it in context that you really can grab a lot out of it. It's very important for us to do that on a regular basis. Because you have topical messages a lot of times on Sunday morning and series. Those are kind of topics and topical messages, uh, which is good. You're pulling scripture from all over the word. And then you have reading actually what those scriptures are in context. Because you may think it means one thing, but in context it may mean something else. And it's important to know what that context is. For example, like in Philippians 4, we use that, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the context of that chapter is not those verses all by itself. It's talking about a people that have a giving heart. And when they have a giving heart, they understand that now my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. So uh, it's important to know the context of that. Uh, in 1 John 4, the context of the whole book of 1 John is that John's trying to get across to us that we have experienced and our relationship with God has been incredibly real and we want you to have the same real experience even though what he's saying in context is even though Christ is not on the earth any longer you can experience him the same way we are experiencing him and not just the same way we're experiencing him now you can experience christ you can experience god the same way we experienced him when he was here and if you read that in context you start to see this is what he's actually saying so the whole book he ends up saying uh in verse three and four we have seen and heard them proclaim these things to you that you may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. So he's saying, we were, we're writing these things so that you will experience God like we do and that all of us, our joy will be complete, not lacking, nothing lacking. So that's pretty promising. And then he goes on to talk about, and we went over and, you know, uh, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and in chapter 4, he starts talking about the difference between people that are walking in the light versus people that are walking in the darkness. And he goes over that point over and over and over again. So it must be pretty important if you want to experience the real things of God. So in verse 4, a couple of weeks ago before Thanksgiving, we got up to what I said is a couple of my favorite verses in the Bible, uh, 1 John 4 verse 7 and verse 8 and we ended up talking about uh, what is love so these these verses first John 4 7 and 8 says this beloved let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God the one who does not love does not know God for God is love 
Now, in those two verses alone, love is used, I think it's five times. When we counted it a couple weeks ago, it's, it's used five times. So, before we go any further, what we did last, you know, two weeks ago, uh, the last uh, study on 1 John chapter 4 was we defined biblically what is love. Um, Baby, don't hurt me. Sorry, what is love? Sorry, that was what was going through my head right then. I hope y'all can keep up because I got I go places in the middle of preaching. So just anyway, um, <laughs> Barrett was with me. I'm, I'm high five, high five. So all right, uh, we needed to know what is love. What's love according to God? What is that love? Don't smile at me. I'll go back to what is love. So. Dang it. <laughs> All right, so so anyway, we need to know what love is according to the word. And uh, we talked about that a lot of times when I'm doing uh, marriage counseling or uh, pre-marriage counseling, we'll talk about we need to know really what God kind of love is. Because without knowing that, we go into relationships thinking it's something else. And majority of times, what we think that love is, is that warm and fuzzy feelings that we get, and then eventually as we continue on, those warm and fuzzy feelings go away. Generally, they'll go up and down throughout your relationship. There, it's, you know, the world has a way of making those uh, feelings wax and wane, and, and they just, you know, they're not always what they are when you first meet somebody. So what happens is people will say, well, I just don't love them anymore, you know? And so it's very important for us to say, what is love based on how God says it? How does God define love? And so what we did is we went in there and we said, and I'm actually going to add a couple of things to it. We talked about them. Love, number one, is unconditional giving. Number two, love is keeping the Lord's commands because we even see scriptures where people are giving unconditionally, but they're not giving at the command of God. They're not giving in obedience. And he says, love is keeping my commands. If you love me, keep my commandments. So we define love as unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord. Now I'm going to add a couple of things to that. They're not on your notes. I'll probably add them next week. So that they'll be in there. By the way, if you're watching on live stream, right up here, over to the right, is where the uh, sermon notes are. Here. That, that's, that's southern for that place over yonder. Um, so, well, I'm, they're going to have to catch up. I've already explained this earlier. you gotta go, You got to track with me. So, anyway, there's the sermon notes. And if, they're, if we're in a series like this, I'll update the notes, so just because you downloaded them two weeks ago don't mean they're the same as what they are to, today, so you might want to go check up. you got to try. I'm telling you, I'm expecting you all to keep up now. I'm just saying, it, obviously tonight's one of those nights, so what we'll do, I'm so glad you're with me so far. The fact that you laughed shows that we're at least making a little progress. So uh, love is, we said that you can't have love without having a choice you can't have love without having a choice but also what we see in God is when he chooses us he commits to us so love is a choice and a commitment 
to unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord. That's about the best definition I've ever come up with on that. So, yay, y'all. Love is a choice and commitment to unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord. That, to me, in the best I can define it, is agape love, is the God kind of love. Because here's the thing. Jesus had a choice. He did not have to come down here. And without a choice, you're being forced to do something. You know, I can give, let's say I give Roger, you know, uh, hey, Roger, I want you to go do this. Well, you know, either do this or don't, or I'm going to punish you, right? I'm not giving him a choice. There's not love in that. There's just obeying a forced command, all right? Love demands that there be a choice, okay? We're talking in that options series that we've kind of been teaching on uh, where we've been saying that uh, we have options, but as Christians, as children of God, we need, to, we need to think and act like we don't have an option. Love would say, I see the options, but I choose to only do the ones that God says. He's not forcing me to make that. And that's the same thing that happened with Jesus. Jesus said, and Jesus looked at it and said, I don't do anything. Now, this was the choice of Jesus. I don't do anything but what I hear the Father say and see the Father do. I don't do anything but that. So in the mind of Jesus, in his heart, he, was, he chose to only do the one option, and he committed to that. That's the other thing. See, uh, love is not just a choice. And, and really, it, a lot of times, um, I have said it like this in the past, um, we need to learn how to make real decisions. A real decision is absolute. So most of the time when we make decisions today, they're not absolute to us, and, and the difference is commitment. You know, we choose, but it's a temporary choice. Commitment says this is an absolute choice. So love is a choice and commitment, or it's an absolute choice for unconditional giving at the leading of God. So it's important to know what love is. It's important to know uh, how God defines that. So let's take a marriage, uh, for example. Let's take Nicole and I. Uh, when I made a choice, all right, first of all, one of the first things that we ever talked about is when the word or thought of divorce comes up in our lives, we, that's not even a choice. We won't even utter such things in our life. Now, that's an absolute choice, and that's a commitment. So that, you see, but in today's society, with the divorce rate being 50%, is that a, a commitment? It may be a, a wedding or a marriage may be a choice in today's society, but is it a committed choice, or is it an absolute choice? No, it's not. Not at all. It ba basically, we have the you know return mentality, uh, the keep your receipt mentality. You know, well, if I don't like this one, I just get rid of it, take it back, and let's start again. You know, and we're not committed to anything. You know, that's one of the things that Jim Hockaday and I were talking about, and he was talking about you know while we while he was here was that 
You know, we've got to learn how to make a decision and stick with it. We need to learn how to make real decisions or a committed choice. And stop getting in, you know, all right, well, I meant to tell you, it's not that you can't make mistakes or miss it. That's fine. You know, you're going to do that. But you need to be start living in a way that uh, you make a choice and you live by it. And you're, in other words, like, for instance, if I'm going to tell somebody that I'm going to preach, you know, three months from now at their church, right? I don't need to not know whether or not God wants me to do that. I need to hear from God so that when I say that, I mean it and I will be there. Now, I can miss it and I can mess up and everything and have to switch things. And then I need to communicate that very well and very clear with them. But I should live my life like I'm never going to miss it because I'm making an absolute decision. Before I even let words slip out of my mouth, I have sought God on them. I, I'm being led. In other words, we need to have some leading and see the only option is what God, ha God has for us long before we make a commitment even to small things. There was a, an example I had recently, and I wish I could remember it right now, but somebody had, you know, what they had done was they had gotten themselves in a, in a bit of a jam, and the reason was because they hadn't really made a good choice at the beginning. But here's the problem with that. When we think that we can just flip and change our mind all the time, here's the thing. We are going to believe our Father the way that we think, the way that we live. In other words, if we live in a way that doesn't take a committed choice, then we're going to see him and we think it's okay for him to live that way too. Well, maybe I'll give you healing today. Nah, don't feel like it. And that's how we'll believe. We will believe how we live. We'll believe based on how we live. So, uh, there's a, I know, uh, I know Jim... Jim and BJ were actually talking about that out on the, um, they were talking about that out on the ranch and they were talking about how people just say things and they just flippantly say things and then they expect for God to move at their, at everything that they ask for them but they're not living a life that's based in absolutes. We need to live a life that is based in absolutes. In other words, we need a choice and a commitment at the get-go. So if we live and we're not living a life of absolutes, we're not going to expect how can we move and believe on God to be that way. We're living, you know, we are to represent God. So what we're doing is we're presenting literally, literally what we actually think he's like. And so without character change in us, how are we going to actually believe that God's going to be that way? Well, that's not a big deal. I didn't really mean that. You know, well, it actually is a big deal because now this is what you think's okay, and that's how you're going to believe. You're going to believe how you live your life. You're going to believe God that way. So love, once you start understanding, man, I need to make some committed choices for unconditional giving, at the direction of God, at the leading of God, well, now I start believing that God moves that same way. And is it hard for me to believe that he would commit to me for an eternity 
love me with an everlasting love and give to me unconditionally. That's what he did. But see, here's, here's the thing. This is what we do. Well, you know, I messed up last week, so I must deserve to be sick. And why are we thinking that way about God? Because we're not living an absolute life. Because we're not living that way. And so we think he thinks that way. But when we actually start living that way, then we're like, well, this is definitely how he is because he, you know, his word, he doesn't change. He means his word will accomplish what it was sent to do. He loved me when I didn't deserve it. He would heal me right now, even if I was in the middle of messing up, if I just knew who he was. That's just it. Love goes back to knowing him. And your life goes back to knowing him. So when we define love, we'll say it is love is a choice and commitment to unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord. Now, so go back to the marriage. When I make a choice to marry Nicole, when I made that choice, and, and I won't tell you that when, when I made that choice that I believed it as strongly as I do now. You know, I probably didn't. I probably thought I did. I probably wanted to. But I've definitely grown in that area. And it's obvious she's grown in that area because I've given her plenty of reason not. Anyway, so, um, so here, if, it's in, if we're in that, then do I care what she does? Do I care what she does? Am, am I going to treat her differently based on what she does? Not if I'm in love. Not if I'm in love. Well, you know, she told me she was going to have dinner fixed and fix my favorite thing, and it wasn't my favorite thing. I'm just going to be mad at her all the rest of the evening. Well, she told me she'd have it. She doesn't have anything. She was so busy at work. She doesn't have anything. Well, how am I going to react to that? If I get mad in the least, am I in unconditional giving? If it even bothers me a hair, am I in unconditional giving? Well, that changes everything. Now we don't have a right to get mad or a right to get angry. Now, we, we can say this is right and this is wrong. In other words, if she gives me her word, then it ought to be her word. And I can, but if I'm bothered by that in the least, if I'm taking any kind of bother or anxiety or concern over that, that shows I'm not an unconditional land. I'm not in the unconditional uh, part of love, which tells me I'm not in love. See, what, did, what was it that God did? You were messed up. And it was while you were messed up that God said, I don't care. I made a choice. You're my choice. And I'm committed to it for eternity. And I'm given to you at the character of myself. My character is this, to give to you unconditionally. For eternity, it will not change. I love you with an everlasting love. Well, 
you know, let's say that um, somebody tell me a, a marriage, something in marriage that can bring up an issue or bring up a problem. And, and, and particularly one that doesn't have a spouse here would probably be a good idea. So, uh, who? <laughs> Money. Time. Okay, let's just take time. That's a pretty generic one. So, let's say that Nicole and I go home and uh, I want her time. I want her time. Not the TV's time, not the kids' time. I want her time, right? Well, if I'm in unconditional giving and she doesn't give me that time, should that change at all what I give to her? But if she's in unconditional giving too, if she's in love, then what is she going to find out about me? She's going to be attentive to the things that I want as well. So if she's in love, will I receive that time? Yes. And if, she, if I'm in love, then I'm going to give back whatever she wants. Take out the trash or whatever, whatever it is. I'm going to be, in other words, in unconditional giving, when you're in a relationship like that and you need to take this relationship and not just apply it in a marriage, but now you apply it to co-workers, you know, you apply it to whatever. Whatever it is that's godly that the Lord has led me to do to love on her and her to love on me, we should be learning what those things are, esteeming those things, finding out what those things are, and then giving unconditionally no matter what they've done. No matter what they've done. What happens when you have two people in any relationship that's moving in agape love? What then, let me ask this question, what is lacking in that relationship? Nothing. It's beautiful. It's the best relationship that you can have. Because everything that is a need or a want in my life that's based off of God, that's godly, she'll be fulfilling it. And everything she wants that's godly, I will be fulfilling that. So she won't have any need, I won't have any need. How beautiful is that relationship? And is it focused and founded on God? Yep, God's all in it. Beautiful. But the problem is, number one, we you know don't really make a committed choice and so it, as soon as the warm and fuzzies go away or I just don't like this or you're not loving on me right guess what your spouse or whatever relationship co-worker whatever they're almost assuredly they're going to miss God at some point and not give you what you want almost assuredly and is your response to say okay now I stop <laughs> I'm done no it's at that point that you just keep on sowing, and you're not only sowing into that person, you're sowing into God. You're giving God a legal right to bring about a harvest in you. So unconditional giving, you know, let's say that there's a really bad relationship, and one, one, uh, one party, let's say that the lady is not going after the Lord at all, and the husband is. Let's just make that up. That's generally opposite of a lot of what I see, but let's make that up. So the lady's not going after God at all. The husband's trying to go after God. Husband's trying to esteem his wife and love her like Christ loved the church. 
and she is making it so so difficult because she won't go to church with him she won't give him the time of day when you know they want to meet in the bedroom she doesn't want to do that either all this stuff she she does not care because she's not moving in love at what point does the husband say all right that's it i'm done if he's in love he doesn't but because we've been taught in the world to do other things oh you deserve better than that you know that's what the world teaches you deserve better you know she ought not treat you like that she shouldn't be that way you know and so the world says all the stuff that the world says and your flesh does a good job of grabbing a hold of that then all of a sudden we feel justified to step out of love ourselves. And that's the biggest mistake that we can make. Or the best decision we can make is to stay in love. And when we're staying in love, what happens is this. They're doing everything wrong. Do you realize um, this is exactly what we were doing to Christ? We were doing everything wrong, and the truth of the matter is, um, basically, um, okay, this word's in the Bible, so I'm going to use it. All right, so basically, uh, we were whoring around on God. That's how we were treating God. And that's when he said, I love you with an everlasting love. And we are supposed to mimic that. So in that situation with the husband and wife, and the wife's being all this stuff, what's the best decision the husband can do? Keep on loving like, like they're doing everything right. What they ought to do is see that they're not giving that love to the person. They're giving that love to God who did do everything right for them. So instead of the person doing those bad things, they ought to view that person as Christ. You know, if you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And you start seeing that person as Christ, and it gives you the ability to love correctly. And now what can happen? See, when the world teaches us to stop, and put a halt to love because you deserve better, what is being withdrawn now out of the relationship? God is love. What's being withdrawn? Who's being withdrawn out of that relationship? Is there then any hope? Not really. But when that person decides, I'm going to love you no matter what, what's, who is being injected into the relationship? God is and so now you just took the ceilings off and God can start working in ways that you could have never done you could have planned and and fathomed all kinds of strategies on how to turn this person around and you could never do what God now has a right to do in that relationship amen so love is a choice and commitment to unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord. 
Now, let's go back, and now that we know what love is, let's look at 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In the message, it says this. It says, My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. If you're not in the action of it, if you're not actually doing it, not telling me, not telling me, oh, Lord, I want to love, you're actually doing it. We need to be doing love. So now let's go back to the New American Standard, same verse, and let me put it this way. Beloved, let us choose and commit to unconditional giving in obedience to the Lord for one another. Now, see, we're not just talking about relationships here. We're not just talking about a marriage relationship. This is talking about all of us in this room and anybody that's our family and our brother and sister in Christ or any other bar, part of the body of Christ, any other church, any other anybody in the body of Christ. And the truth of the matter is it's really talking about the world as well. So we're not just talking about a marriage. We're talking about everybody. So, beloved, let us choose. I'm going to make a choice today, tonight. I'm going to make a choice, and I'm going to commit to that choice that no matter what the world or any one of you or any person does to me, I'm going to give unconditionally to you like I'm giving to Christ as the Lord leads me. And that's important. That's an important part because the Lord's not going to leave you, you know, lead you uh, to give everything you have away every single day necessarily. A lot of people think that that's what God's going to ask of you. That's not necessarily what he's going to ask you. He may ask you to do that sometime. He may ask you to give everything uh, like he did to the uh, rich young ruler. You know, he may ask you to do that. But generally what I've found and experienced, and if he does, it's an awesome thing because if he's wanting you to give in that kind of capacity, imagine the capacity he's wanting to multiply back to you. So it's an awesome thing. But generally, he's not saying, all right, empty your bank account every day. You know, he's not generally saying that. He's not, he's not saying, I want you to give me every hour. I want you to give me every second and minute of every hour of every day. 24-7, give me everything you got right now. No, he, there's a balance there. We're talking about spiritual nutrition, you know. Uh, there's a balance. Part of that is rest. Well, he gives rest in your physical body. He gives rest in your finances. He's not always asking you to give you know, everything that you have. So you're trusting that the Lord is going to lead you exactly what you can give, when you can give. And so if I'm in unconditional giving, it's very important for me to be led by the Lord. But what I'm going to do is... Beloved, let us love one another. So all the one another's out there, I'm choosing and I'm committing forever that I will give unconditionally as the Lord leads me. 
That's a big statement. Now, we've just said, let us love one another. But it's a lot bigger statement than just that. And without knowing the definition of love, then we're just like, oh, I need to be nice to people. Well, it goes a lot, a lot further than just being nice to people. And so you got somebody who one time, once, they were actually forgave somebody for something they said to them, and they're like, oh, I'm in love. No, you got lucky, you know. <laughs> you just got lucky. You just happened to remember it. You didn't set your life up and character up to be unconditionally giving all the time to everybody. You just did it once. That's not, that's not a commitment. You just got lucky. You happened to remember it when you should have. We're talking about a life that remembers it all the time. That they live it. That, they're, that the character of God becomes their character. That's what you want. That's what we're supposed to be as Christians. But, I mean, do we really see it happening? Yeah. No, unfortunately, no, we don't. All right, so let's carry on. Beloved, let us love one another for a choice, a committed choice in unconditional giving in obedience to God is from God. This love, it's from God. And everyone who makes a committed choice to give unconditionally as the Lord leads, is born of God and knows God. Well, now we're kind of stepping into some interesting waters because if we really don't see the church doing this, how many of them are actually born of God and knows God? How many actually is born of God? Well, that asks a good question. Because here's the thing. You will know them by their fruit. So in other words, you know, if this, this is what the fruit should be of a regenerated heart. If you're not seeing this, then number one, that person's probably not. And the truth of the matter is, it's not that you get everything together all in one all in one shake, you know. It's like I go to church, I get born again, I accept Christ, and tomorrow I look like Jesus completely, and I, all my habits are gone, you know. That's probably not going to happen because you still have a flesh. There's scripture about that, and you've got to the start the process of renewing your mind. But the great thing that you do have is you have the Holy Spirit that starts to lead you. This is love, this isn't. This is love. This isn't. So these are some pretty strong statements. But once you choose Christ and you choose to start walking down the path of love and you start applying and making change to your character and this is who I am to be, you're born of God and you know him. And then it says this, this is very interesting. The one who does not Make a committed choice to give unconditionally at the leading of God does not know God. For God is a committed choice of unconditional giving. 
at the leading of his own heart, at the leading of his own character. God is that. That's who he is. And see, if we're not born of him, we don't even, we don't know him, and we can't do this. This is a very important thing. Uh, see, you can't love without knowing God. We need to know God to know love. Now, these, let me read this to you again, just in the last part of verse 7 and the first part of verse 8. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. And you could say he's not born of God either. All right, now, how do we, how important then does it become for us to know God? God in other words you can back every problem back to a root of I don't know God enough if I'm not operating in love God's here watch this faith works by love faith worketh by love or faith works through love that's Galatians 5 6 or I would say it like this Faith is empowered through love. All right, now, so we're believing God for a situation. How can you, how can you have faith for something if you don't have and know love? How can faith work if you don't know love? How can faith work if you don't know God? And so, in other words, every problem we got, if you back up to the root, the problem is you really don't know God. And part of the reason is, now, look at this definition of love, a committed choice to unconditional giving. All right? Just look at that part. A committed choice to unconditional giving how can you even begin to think that God is up there with the lightning bolt about to strike you down when that is the character of God? Now, it's not that crossing him doesn't have some adverse effects. You don't want to be there. I mean, you do want to reverence him. You don't want to be going against the grain of God. But he's not sitting up there looking to punish you. He's up there looking to find any way that he can get his love to you. And so many times the problem that we have is not that God doesn't want to do these things for us. It's that we don't know it. Because we don't know him. And the world has taught us this idea of who he is. And it's messed up. So here's the thing. How do you get to know him? If you want to walk in love, you've got to know him. If you don't know him, you're not going to walk in love. Your faith's not going to work and nothing else will either. Everything, you know, beloved, there's these three things. Faith, hope, and love. And the priority, the biggest one, the one you want to really, the one that matters most, love. Love. Faith and hope, they're great, they're big, they're huge, but love's more important. Love's more important. Why? Because that's the very nature and character of God. 
And we've got to know him. How do we know him? Well, the first thing to know him is we've got to have a relationship with him. That means we, we and watch this, you know, and this is what I talk about when I'm going into marriage counseling is this, is, all right, you know, Jeff, you love this woman, right? Tara, you love this man, right? How, if you really love him and you really love her, how can you love the most? without knowing God. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this way after seeing these scriptures. Can you actually love her? Can you actually love him without knowing God? It's not possible. So without Christ, you don't even have the potential to pour out the love to each other. So if you really do have feelings for her and you have feelings for him, What's the absolute number one thing that you should do? Come to know God. Come to know God. If you love each other, the first thing you can do in that act of love is come to know the one who will teach you how to love them better. All right. Second, second thing is, and so I just gave you my marriage counseling secret. I don't tell people that till we get in, but it still is true. Yes, they will have to watch this message to get that. So <laughs> if you're watching, good for you. Golden star. All right, so here's, here's the other thing. Knowing God, that's just the beginning of the relationship. The other part of getting to know God is to be in relationship with him. That's the reset relationship that we talked about. You're spending time with him. You're getting to know his character. You're getting to know his nature. See, this is a, you know, we've talked about it, and we'll use, I'll probably use this for years and years. When they teach uh, how to spot counterfeits, they don't teach you about all the problem uh, bills. They teach you the original so well so that when you see a problem bill, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Get to know God so well that when the devil presents something, even in the slightest it's not God, you'll, your antenna will start to go up and be like, that ain't love, that ain't God. And instantly, you know how to believe and you know how to act. So instantly you're moving in an area that's huge because now as you've gotten to know him because you've spent time with the original so much. You're in this reset relationship, fellowship with him. You're in this constant, real fellowship with God Almighty and you get to know him. You get to smelling like him. You get to thinking like he does. You get to acting like he does. And all of a sudden, guess what you're doing? You're in love like he is. And now you ask God for something. Lord. I'm just in unconditional giving. It, it's, it's like I was telling the story of, about you when you went out to the reunion. You know, and, and you didn't pray this miraculous like, you know, world changing sounding prayer. What were you in? You just had compassion on your friend. Because you were basically acting out the love of God. And when you prayed, the prayer worked. Why? Because you were acting like God. 
you were acting out the love of God. He wants to unconditionally. God does not want that person in that and that compassion. And all of a sudden you pray and your prayer works. That's why a lot of times why our prayers haven't been working because we haven't been really living this because we haven't really gotten to know who God is. That he is this committed choice to unconditionally give. That that's who he is. So if we don't know God, it's how important is it to, to know God? Now, now how important is it to spend time in a reset fellowship? If you want anything to work, you got to know him. And, and, and I'm not spending time in a reset fellowship just so I could get things to work. I'm spending time because I'm unconditionally given to him. You know, right now with Luke, I've been thinking about it a lot this week. I just want him, it's like I'll go down there and, 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 uh, and I'll be like, give me a hug, you know. And Luke's like, you know, he's, he's all over the place. But all I'm sitting there is, and, and listen, I'm going, oh. I was like, give me a hug. I just want him to give me a hug and a sugar and then he can go play, you know. I just want him to show that love that I want him to give me that moment, you know. And I can't tell you how many times this week the father said, I just want you to give me a hug and a sugar. You know, and what I've been doing in my life is just like Luke, you know, following the flesh, you know, tapping on my phone, doing all this stuff. And the Lord just wants. And so if I'm in unconditional giving, I'm going to see the heart of the father, just like my heart is towards Luke. And I'm going to say, Daddy. So I'm not spending a reset fellowship with God just so that my stuff will work. I'm spending it because I'm giving love back to him. Because I'm in unconditional giving to him. Does that make sense? How important is love? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. Then we'll go to 4 through 8. Then we'll, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it, verse 1, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So it's talking about praying in the Spirit here. It's not saying that praying in the Spirit's bad. It's saying that if I get up here and I try to just blow out, you know, and I try to blow out in the Spirit and show you how spiritual I am, you know, I'm the pastor, you know. If I try to do that, but I'm not moving in love. I'm not in a choice committed towards unconditional giving at the leading of the Father. So I can show you I can pray in the Spirit all day long. But if God didn't tell me to pray in the Spirit, I'm not in love. And all I'm doing is making noise. But if I hear, like for instance, a few weeks ago, we, ha we had somebody here at the end of the Sunday morning service. You know, honestly, praying in the Spirit, I, I do that a lot. I'm happy about it. But I know that there's a ton of this American society that's really adverse to that, right? And so when they come in as guests and we got guests, logic, physical logic says, if you do that, you're going to think they're weird and everything and this and that and 
You know, they might not ever come back. So that's what physical logic says to me. So logically, I'm thinking uh, right then, as the Lord says, I want you to pray in the Spirit at the end of the service. Logically, I'm thinking, I don't want to do that. Because they might leave. They might never come back. And I want them to come back because they need they need to hear messages like this. But they got to be committed till they, you know, they need to hear so this will change their life. And I really want them to be here. I want well, but what did the Lord say? I'm unconditionally given, no matter how I feel. At the leading of God, so I can come up here and I can pray in the Spirit and just be like act like I'm some big stuff, but I hadn't heard from God. I'm not in love, and I'm just making noise. Or I can come up here, I was barely saying it, it wasn't saying it loud, wasn't saying it bold, I was just saying, just praying in the spirit like he told me to pray, and then I get a text, as somebody was sitting right over here, they said, I never felt the power of God like I did when you were praying. Never have I felt that way. It was like bolts of lightning were shooting through me. Now what's the difference? Obedience to God. And we're and willing to give no matter how I feel. Doesn't matter what I feel or what I think. I'm in unconditional giving to God. I didn't wasn't even laying hands on the person. I was just standing here. Matter of fact, I remember I, I stood up here on purpose because that's where I believe God told me to stand. Don't go out and pray. Pray stand right there and pray. And that's only one thing that I know of that happened. Who knows what else was done in the lives of people. Maybe they know it, maybe they don't. But that power was obviously released that day. Okay? If I have the gift of prophecy to know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have a choice committed to unconditional giving, at the leading of God, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. So how important is it for us to move in this stuff? Verse 3, and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, in other words, I give everything I have, and if I surrender my body to be burned, in other words, I'm burning the candle on both ends, I'm giving it all I got. See, a lot of people think that's love. And then he says, but do not have love. So it's obviously not love to just give every time somebody asks you for something because you've got to be led by God. That's love if you keep my commandments. But I do not have a choice that's committed to unconditional giving in obedience and led by God. It profits me nothing. Nothing. Do you realize what that just says right there? That means that it doesn't just say it profits you nothing in this life. That means it profits me nothing ever. So in other words, that whole life burned out for God, how much reward is there in heaven? Oh my goodness. You mean they can build a massive mega church and it not mean anything? If they didn't do it in obedience to God, it doesn't. So you, know, uh, you heard me say this a few weeks ago. Which church is more successful? The one that is small or the one who is big? It really doesn't matter which one actually heard from God and was obedient. That's the successful one. Which ministry? It doesn't matter. Which is the one that heard from God? 
you know, and I'll say this, you know, for anybody that's watching, and, you know, most people in here are married, Christian, most Todd's not, but most Sharon, but here's the thing, Roger, there's more than I thought, excuse me, anyway, (laughs) listen, but anybody watching that's single, listen, how important is it for you to seek God before you get married? Because you're either in love or not, and you're either empowered in that whole marriage by God, or you're going to have a struggle. It's very important to hear from God. Wait till you hear from God. He's big enough to get loud. <laughs> He's big enough. He's big enough. And, and now, let me, you know, because... There's a lot of people that hear that that are married that's like, oh my gosh, did I miss it? God's. <laughs> so there's a lot of people know. <laughs> God's big enough to take your lack of knowledge, have mercy on it, and turn it into something beautiful. Start loving right now and watch what He will do in your marriage. Amen? Amen. Let's go on. Now, look at this. Uh, Listen to this statement, please. Daily, daily, we need to examine and compare our action to real love. We need to look at our actions daily. You remember when I was standing over here a few minutes ago, and it's like, all right, you loved and you forgave that person one time, you got lucky. The, The thing is, we should be daily comparing our actions and saying, is this a committed choice to unconditional giving at the leading of God? Every action we should. This is how you're going to change character in your life. This is how you're going to move into these things. Because if we're not actually giving ourselves to change on a daily basis and letting the Holy Spirit lead and guide and direct us, We're not moving in love, and thus nothing's working. We're not acting like God, and the truth of the matter is, are we really born of him? Well, it's questionable. So if we want to move in what what we are born in, then we're going to give ourselves to this. This should be a natural progression for the Christian to start daily comparing and contrasting my actions to what does God do. What is he really like? Is this love? Is this real unconditional giving? So you've got some uh, keys right here in verse. I see I I got the wrong uh, scripture listed, but it's verse 4 through 8. In verse 4 through 8, it says, Love or, listen, a committed choice to unconditional giving at the leading of God is patience. Was I patient with somebody today? For, for instance, today, uh, you'll have to check yourself on this, Tara, because uh, <laughs> I gave you plenty of reason not to be. She said, Brian, I need you to come in here and look at this thing on my screen. Well, <laughs> the phone rang, and I was like an hour on the phone. And then after I got off the phone, she was, going, she was like, um, are you coming in here to check this on the screen? I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get in there. So, so I don't know. If you were patient or not, but this is a great example of how we need, were we patient? Were we really patient or were we getting upset at it and 
If you were, don't tell anybody. So. Uh, the, no, um, but see, there's a, you know, I gave her, I gave her room to stretch her love today. <laughs> see, I was helping you work out there. I was like, look, it's free gym membership. You didn't even have to pay. So, all right. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is kind. Unconditional giving is kind. It's kind, it's kind, it's kind, it's kind, it's always kind. It's not grumpy. <laughs> it's not, it's not, you know, the beast, you know. It's not, it's not argumentative. Love is kind. You know, some, uh, Nicole tells me that when I get hungry, you know, I act different. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> she said, give him a Snickers. <laughs> That's a great commercial. <laughs> but, so I try not to be. I don't mean to be. Hungry. Yeah. I, unkind when I'm hungry. I don't mean to be. But is being hungry an excuse for that? No. And I'm not like ripping people's heads off, I don't think. But uh, we'll let her explain that later. Uh, but can I, do I have a right to do that? That's not unconditional giving. So that's something that I may need to look at. I need to examine and compare. Is that, that the way you know, I need to be? You know, I said something a few uh, weeks ago. I don't remember what it was now, but it was snappy. You know, I didn't mean it snappy, but that was her perception of it, which this doesn't happen too often, but I was, you know, probably a lot going on, and I was snappy. A lot going on is not an excuse. A lot going on, if that pushed me out of love, then I need to push it out of my life. I need to push the esteem I have on a lot going on down while I push love up. Well, work was tough, and there's so many stuff, and that does not matter. That just means that you're still not in love, and now you're making excuses for it. Yeah, so, all right, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love, unconditional giving, a choice. See, we're making choices towards this. Does not brag and is not arrogant. Doesn't brag, it's not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. In other words, you know, we we have a we have a rule here at the church that there should never be uh, one lady and one man in the building at the same time. Doesn't matter if it's that side of the building and this side of the building. Why? It's not because we think something's going to happen. It's because this verse right here. Love does not act unbecomingly. It doesn't mean you're being unbecoming. It doesn't even act like it. And then there's other places where it says that uh, you don't give. Uh, um, what's the verse? Hmm? Yeah, you don't even you abstain from the perception of evil. Okay. So not just evil, but the perception of it. So part of that verse is 
let's say that, um, and, and we do this all the time. Matter of fact, we're, you know, uh, Tara and Priscilla are here during the day, and we are very diligent about this. If I get here and only Tara's car is here, I get on the phone and say, is Priscilla on the way, you know, or, or whatever. You know, this morning uh, you had something to handle, and, and she was running a few minutes later than our normal schedule. And so she texted, and I said, no problem, I'll be there when I get there. Because we're not going to do that. Because we don't want somebody driving by that knows her car and knows my car and says, hey, that's, that's the only two cars that were there. And now you've got a perception of evil. You see? We don't do that. Why? Because love does not act unbecomingly. That's unbecomingly of the character of God. Love doesn't do that. That's unconditional giving. Love does not seek its own. It is not provoked. How many people, you know, particularly guys, you've been provoked in the past. I mean, the, the devil, he just, he throws something up and all of a sudden anger comes out. And he just, what he does, he's got a little anger button on you and he just keeps punching it. And every time, and you just keep falling for it, falling for it, moving straight outside of love every time. Because you're easily provoked. That's not love. These are things we need to check our actions all the time. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. In other words, if somebody does me wrong, I don't even take it into account. Now, this is something I started really working on a long time ago. And the truth of the matter is, I, I, I do this one pretty well. And it comes out when I try to correct somebody. Because I'm like, what was it you did? I don't even remember what you did because I'm not taking it into account. So you can get to the place where you really don't, it doesn't, you don't take it into account against you. And this is what it's talking about with love. That makes it, I, I, I told Nicole, I said, I need, if somebody does something wrong, I actually, like for employment purposes, I need to make a note of it because physically and spiritually i forget it like it didn't happen and that's good you know but then when I, somebody needs correction and discipline i i don't what was it you did i don't even remember <laughs> and, it's, and so i it doesn't help at that point so love does not uh, uh does not rejoice in unrighteousness and let me uh how about this somebody tells the bad joke you know the dirty joke Oh, that's so that's so funny. That's rejoicing in unrighteousness. Love doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. That's just one example of that. But love does rejoice with the truth. You hear you hear the truth. You hear the character and the nature of God come out and it rejoices in that love does that. Love bears all things, bears the burdens. Love believes all things. In the Amplified, it says, love believes the best. So if I hear a, somebody give me a testimony about Roger, I'm not like, oh, really? I know, I've seen that in him, too. I don't do that. You know, I should never do that. What I should do is say, that's, you know, even if that's true, you shouldn't be talking about it. You know, or at the very least, now I'm not going to believe that. I may talk to Roger myself, but I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to believe the best. I'm not believing that he would do something wrong. I'm believing that he'll do something right. 
Love hopes all things, endures all things. In other words, it endures and endures. Love never fails. Love never fails. Now look, this is where we should cross-examine our own lives. This is where we should cross-examine our own lives and we should go through and we should look at this list and say, is this love? Am I truly committed? Have I made the choice towards this? Number, here's the other thing. This is what I want you to get. God is all of these things. You remember the one back up in here? Let me just point out one. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. That's God's heart towards you. That's God's heart towards his children. It's the way he wants to be able to be to every person on the earth if they'll let him be that kind of loving father. He's paid the price so that he doesn't have to take into any account any wrong suffer. So then you go over into 2 Corinthians 5 where it said he's not holding the world's sins against him and you can see how he can do that because he's in love. Just read these verses, we'll be done, Verse 1 John 4, 9 through 11. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. By this was that love manifested, that unconditional choice, committed choice, unconditional giving. By this was his love manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that why why so that we might live through him we might have life and life in abundance to the full till it overflows from John 10:10 10, 10. same same author that wrote that wrote this in this is love here's love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the substitution for us. This is love. Not that you love God. You didn't love God. You were the enemy. You may be loving God now, but you didn't to begin with. And that's just it. Back when you go back to verse 7 and 8, and it says, look, if you don't know God, you can't love. If you do love, it's because you know him. You want to love better? Get to know him better. But you didn't do it first. The starting point was him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us first. It's important to know where that love generates from. It's important to know what's the source of this that I'm supposed to be walking in. It's important to know how do I walk in it better. It comes from him. And then verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God was made a choice and was committed to unconditionally give of himself, of his nature, of his character up to us, then we ought to, we ought to, in other words, this, is, this should be a given. We ought to love one another. We ought to make a choice. We ought to make a committed choice, an absolute choice. To unconditionally give at the leading of God. In, in the New Living, it says it like this. Dear friends, 
since God loved us that much, we surely, we surely ought to love each other. And it says the ones that love each other, this is, this is how we know that we're born of God. We ought to be making this choice all the time. We surely ought to love one another. It ought not to even be a question in our mind. You know, that person, think about your enemy right now, that person that, that irritates you the most. What God's saying is, you surely ought to unconditionally give what the Lord leads you to them. Now see, as soon as we say that, as soon as we think about that person, we're like, oh, I don't want to give that. I'm not asking you to give everything and anything. I'm asking you to give what God gives to you, but you ought to be willing to give everything and anything. The state of your heart is very important in this love process because if you say, I'll do this, 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 and that, you're not unconditional, and your heart's not given to God. And he's saying, surely, if you're born of God, you ought to be doing this. Shouldn't even be a question. In other words, he's saying this. You've got options. You can do it or you cannot do it. But surely you shouldn't see any other way but the same way that God poured it out on you. Lord, we just thank you for your love. Yeah, you didn't have to, but you did. And we thank you for it. We thank you for your love that you poured out on us, Lord. And because you poured it out on us, Lord, we ought to surely love on each other. And so, Father, we just make that choice tonight. And it's not a choice that's just tonight and not here tomorrow. It's a choice forever, an absolute, real decision to give unconditionally to each other as you lead us to. Father, we receive that as direction. And Lord, if you've given us direction, you have also empowered us to do it. It's not something that we, uh, maybe I can, maybe I can, maybe I can't. It's something if you ask us to do it, you empowered us to do it. And so, Lord, we step into it with faith. We step into it with hope and expectation. And we step into it out of love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great night.